four, 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 four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pop Thunder with your boy, the young light skin Keith Sweat. And to my left, my guy, Lorenzo Perry. He's a certified youth fitness specialist who owns and operates Game Day Fitness. Lorenzo opened Game Day in 2012 with a mission to help young athletes maximize their athletic potential. Lorenzo attended LaSalle Academy, where he lettered in three varsity sports. However, it was on the football field where Lorenzo truly excelled, as he would help LaSalle to three consecutive D1 championships. During his four years at LaSalle, he earned awards such as LaSalle Academy Male Scholar Athlete of the Year, Super Bowl MVP, Rhode Island Gatorade Player of the Year, just to name a few. After graduating from LaSalle Academy, Lorenzo received a D1 college scholarship to continue playing his career at UMass Amherst. After playing two seasons with the Minuteman, Perry transferred to Bryant University where he would graduate with a Bachelor's of Science degree on the football field, Lorenzo would essentially rewrite Bryant's Bulldogs records books with his outstanding play. During his two seasons with the Bulldogs, Ryan's would earn Northeast 10 Conference Player of the Year, East Coast Player of the Year, and Associated Press First Team All-American in just two short seasons. Lorenzo's dominance would earn him a first ballot selection into Bryant University's Athletic Hall of Fame Class 2013. That is quite a bio, my guy. I appreciate you coming through. Well, coming on the EG Pop Thunder, your first debut for the show. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to be here um, and appreciate the uh, the eloquent introduction. Oh, man, that was the top of the line. I've had like 150 episodes so far. That had to be the home run hitter right there. <laughs> and um, right off the bat, actually, I had a question of mine already. So, yeah. like with me, you know, I like to travel. I go on plenty of adventures, excursions. Music, concerts, game like uh, football games, basketball games, had the podcast, and people are always like, how are you doing this? Like, And I think, I don't know, I'm just doing what I love to do. Like, It doesn't really comprehend. They're like, wow, that's crazy. Even like you talking to someone you don't know, I don't have the courage to do that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just go out and do that. Right. So my question for you is, like, do you even like understand, because like, you're him, do you realize <laughs> that like you're like a Rhode Island like, football legend? Like, Does that come across your mind, or are you just like – you just continue doing on what you're doing, or do you do you have that confidence where you're like, oh, or like that mindset? You're like, wow, I am that guy. I am that renowned football legend. <laughs> no, nah, it's uh, funny you ask that, but no, it, it, it never really, you know, kind of crosses my mind or really um, get fixated on, you know, being a, you know, Rhode Island legend or a legend on the football field or, you know, anything like that. Like you said, I kind of just, you know, live my life and, and go through doing the things that I enjoy, doing the things that, you know, kind of make me happy. And, you know, if I happen to, you know, make some noise or set some records along the way. I mean, that's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's dope. Cause like, yeah, like I said, I had that mindset too, but like, where do you think that mindset like came from? Like, because, you know, not everybody has that mindset to be successful, to be a beast, to break all these records, become a Brian Hall of Famer. So, like, was that instilled in your, like, your mindset from, like, a young age? Do you always have that in your, yeah, in your mind, in your confidence? Yeah, I think that, you know, ever since early on, you know, playing football and just, uh, just competing, whether it was football, basketball, tag, muckle, whatever it was, you know, I always wanted to, uh, I guess, be him, you know, and, and be that guy. So I just always, you know, uh, felt the, the need and the urge to dominate. So whatever it took, you know, to kind of dominate, whether it was on the field, the classroom, you know, business-wise, whatever it was, you know, it's hard for me to just kind of settle on uh, mediocrity, you know. So 
it was just, you know, um, just something from a, from a young age, man, where you just, you know, you want to dominate and, and just, you know, own whatever arena you're in. So, like, second place was never, like, never an option to you. Like, you never thought, like, you're going, I'm playing football, I'm playing basketball, I'm the top guy, I'm taking home the trophy. That was it, man. Second place, definitely never an option, you know, from the day I started playing sports, you know, to, like I said, anything, just out there playing, you know, basketball with your, your boys at the courts or whatever it is. You know, I was always just super, super competitive, man, and just always wanted to, to dominate, you know, whatever it was that that I did. It's crazy. Like, do you think it's like, do you think that trait in people is like genetics? Like, do you, would you attribute that to like your, your mom or your dad or someone in your family? Because I'm sure as you guys all know, tuning into this, and if you don't know, like the, just, not even just Lorenzo, but all the Perry brothers, like the Perry brothers are like known in Rhode Island. So it's like, you know, I played against Kendall when I was at Saints and, you know, Hurling. So you, you guys all have that gene. So do you think it's like genetics in you? Like you think it's family or what do you think? What's your mind, like their thought process on that? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is definitely, um, you know, genetic, your, your environment. You know, I think the environment that you're kind of almost bred in kind of instills certain you know, qualities in you that really stick, you know, and we grew up in a competitive environment. We have a big family, so we were always, you know, um, playing sports or playing games or just doing things together, you know, or just even, you know, wrestling and, and things like that. So we, we just always kind of, you know, was in that environment and that, that dog and that competitive spirit was just something that was just bred in us through the environment that we kind of, you know, grew up in. I'm not sure. What's the age difference between you and Herlin? One year. One, one year. So almost one year exact. My birthday is August 10th. His is August 12th. So oh, snap. Exactly. Uh, just about one year apart. And you're the oldest? I am. I got him by a year. So are you like, are you that guy? Are you always teasing him? Was you always trying to be better than you? And like, were you always thinking like, nah, he's not going to be better than me. So like, you already had that competition and competitive nature in your head already. Is it become even more like, extensive now that you have a younger brother you're like no way dude's gonna be better than me <laughs> yeah when we was younger i would say you know before high school we was definitely very competitive you know in the neighborhood we was always on different you know summer basketball league teams and you know he would always go at me and i would go at him you know we go at each other hard you know <laughs> there was some times where you know we almost got in fist fights out there on the basketball court and you know playing in, in leagues in the neighborhood and then as we, you know, kind of graduated on and, and went into high school, you know, it really became less uh, competitive. And um, whether it was him or I, whoever was having success, you know, he was, uh, you know, my biggest supporter, you know, from LaSalle to Bryant to whenever I played, you know, he would, he would be right there with me and um, just, you know, supporting and riding with me 100%. That's what's up, man. I think, like I said this before in plenty of uh, football podcasts, I think football, which people understand, it's like bigger than sports. It brings that brotherhood too and that family, especially playing with your brother. I, mean, I never had that privilege, but, you know, I kind of coached my brother up. But uh, it must be like a different level when you're playing and having those bonds, those championship wins with your brother. Yeah, no, nah, it, it definitely is. You know, um, it, it goes beyond, you know, the figure of speech of, like you said, kind of being – you know, brotherhood being a, a, a tight-knit, you know, family, you know, in a locker room where this was literally, you know, my, my brother, you know, um, blood brother. And, you know, we played together in youth football. We played together in, in high school. 
And um, like I said, he was always, you know, my number one supporter, always, you know, making it known. Because like you said before, I, and, and we talked about a little earlier, um, I, I try to take more of a, you know, laid back kind of humble approach where, you know, he would be the <laughs> voice, you know, for me. So oh, he, he, was, he, was, he was your mouthpiece. Oh, yeah. He was the yeah, manager. Definitely. <laughs> you know, so he would be the one speaking and, and letting everybody know, you know, that's big bro. Big bro is him. You know, he's him. So. You know, he would definitely do the talking out there for me and, and, and be there and, and roll with me, you know, 100%. How do you feel about that? Were you like, were you like embarrassed or were you like, nah, I, I want to say it, but I'm just way more laid back. So like, were you uh, proven of all the trash talk? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's sometimes, a lot of times I should say, well, I had to tell him to just chill, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, uh, after the first quarter, you know, uh, I just, my game did the talking, you know, my game did the talking. So there was a lot of times where I had to tell them, you know, just chill out a little bit, you know, and, um, you know, they're going to see, they're going to see. So uh, I'm definitely not going to, you know, stop talking about your up and coming, but it's a quick question right on that. How do you feel being like a coach right now when, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if I was saying the era of the Draymond Greens, but, you know, Draymond Greens always on the news or trash talking him, Dylan Brooks. It's all that type of, you know, chaos going on, especially with social media. A lot of high school kids like to talk trash back and forth with each other on Twitter. What's your thoughts and, like, your coaching approach to that? Like, are you, are you like, engaging in that? Do you like your players doing that? Or you're more on your approach where you're just let the talking do uh, – let the play do the talking? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not with that, you know. Um, and my guys know and, and guys that play for me, there's a certain way that, you know, we're going to play the game, you know, and, and trash talking – and um, getting out of character with sportsmanship and things like that is something I, I, I do not tolerate. So any guys that, that played for me know that that's not my style, that's not my approach, and that's not the way I coach my teams. I mean, we are going to, you know, play the game physical, you know, w within the lines and within the whistle. We're going to play a certain way. We're going to have a certain level of a tenacity and, uh, you know, ferociousness, the way we play the game, don't, don't, don't get that mistaken. Um, but in terms of, you know, things that go on after the whistle or after the game or all of the trash talking, you know, I like to tell my guys, let's, let's prove it on the field. You know, let's prove it on the field because there's been situations where, you know, these younger kids, they're talking junk on TikTok and this and that. And then we get to the game, you know, and we lose. You know, so I tell them, listen, you could do all that talking on TikTok. There comes a point where, you know, you have to back it up. You know, you got to back it up. So, you know, I, I definitely don't condone, you know, all the riffraff and nonsense that goes on. But I know to a certain degree it's, it's almost, you know, individualized, you know, promotion for some of these guys um, and the way they play the game and the way they approach the game. Because sometimes that's the guy that does make headlines. The guy that gets the interception, you know, uh, and hand, instead of handing the ball back to the ref, you know, he throws the ball up in the air and all his teammates are shooting it down and, you know, a lot of those, you know, antics and stuff like that. So I understand that that's what makes, you know, uh, the, the, the social media sites these days. So, so you kind of like, depending on how bad it is, sometimes you'll let it slide, sometimes you won't let it slide, depending on, you know, really what it is. Because it is kind of crazy, like you're saying, like, it can be that one person, like you said, does a celebration, then that uh, that clip goes viral, and now they're getting offers. It's like what? It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of crazy how that that like kind of like transcends someone to the next, you know, level of recruiting, which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole new level of recruiting. Just uh, you know, someone get back to like your early journey, but yeah. Just uh, do you think in this era it's completely different? Like this new Rhode Island 
you know, recruiting era. Like, do you think I was watching your film early outside? I know, always knew who you were and stuff like that. Do you think like in today's era, you would have been, I feel like you were in the league if it was right now. Like <laughs> if you were playing right now, just this new era, like the Darren Sproles kind of set it off right now. Even that guy from uh, Assumption who was on the Saints a couple years ago. Yep. Like, I feel like height really isn't a thing at this moment in time. So, like, do you feel like if you were born just in a different era, you'd be in the league right now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do uh, believe that, you know, um, back when I was coming out of college, you know, it was definitely um, a, a different NFL. And the prototype of what they was looking for was a lot different, you know, where the game has um, kind of transitioned and transcended so much from, you know, where it was uh, 10, 15 years ago to where it is now, you know. And, you know, like you said, you watch some of my uh, tapes from before and you can see that a lot of my skill set um, fits today's modern game, yeah. you know, where they're looking for guys that are athletes, guys that can get out there, play in space, guys that can make people miss. Um, and things like that, you know, so that was really kind of my strong suit as a player, you know, somebody that, you know, could make plays in space, guys that was elusive. Yeah, catch out the backfield, and, um, like an Eckler type, like a, right, you know, scrolls right. out there in the backfield. Yeah, yep, exactly. And that was one of the reasons why I transferred from UMass was because after my freshman year, the coaches that had recruited me and brought me in um, ended up leaving. The head coach got a job in the NFL and the new regime that came in. Uh, their philosophy was just kind of, you know, completely, you know, contradictory to the style of player, you know, that I was. Um, so they liked more of a running back that was, you know, 6'2", 6'3". Derrick you know, Henry. Pounded up in there, exactly, a Derrick Henry, a, a Brandon Jacobs, you know, one of those, you know, big guys, you know, um, in today's game, I would say I'm more like a, a Christian McCaffrey or, you know, something like that is kind of where my um, – skill set is along those lines obviously not nowhere as good as christian mccaffrey but yeah those those same kind of you know skill sets and attributes so did that yeah. ever like deter you away from playing the sport like being you know full of us on the smaller end so like on the smaller end of the, the brand of the you know typical nfl running back especially your day and age was like you know you just said the derrick henry types the brandon jacob types. so that ever like deter you growing up like where you're ever like god damn like you know this isn't for me or anything like that just because being on the smaller spectrum Right. Um, no, no, it actually was kind of, you know, motivating. And I, I never really, you know, kind of looked at my height as a disadvantage. And I say that because every playing arena that I was in, I've always found a way to make plays. I've always found a way to, you know, kind of dominate, you know, um, the field every time I stepped on it, you know, and that was the same thing, you know, um, I used to tell, I, you know, met with a couple of NFL scouts and that was the same thing that, you know, I explained to them coming out where I never seen my height as a, a, a disadvantage, you know, just because um, any playing arena, any playing field I ever stepped on, you know, I never felt like it held me back, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I think right now it would be completely different because when, I know it's 2007 after Bryant, correct? So, like, you would have... Yeah, Darren Sproles probably just entering the league. Yeah. So at that point, there was really no smaller end backs. So no. like, and it's funny you mentioned Darren Sproles. Actually, when I was at UMass my freshman year, we played Kansas State out at Kansas State, and Darren Sproles was their starting running back. You know, and um, he's definitely a guy that you know I always looked up to in my age, just because you know we're very similar in yeah. stature. You know, so I actually had a chance to play against him. 
Um, he rushed for like 150 yards. I rushed for like four, but yeah. <laughs> You're like, I should have been in the league. <laughs> yeah, nah. So yeah, Darren Sproles, man, definitely a beast. I think he was the, you know, one of the first guys that really kind of set it off in this modern era in terms of that, you know, uh, smaller back and just proving themselves that, you know, um, if you find the, the right offensive coordinator that can build around your skill set, you know, um, he can make plays and, and he showed that he belonged for sure. Yeah, so like saying like he belonged and but you were kind of um you know, he said that modern era back, but you were kind of facing like the quadruple effect, small from Rhode Island. You must have got that everywhere then too, no? Because people still get that now. Was it like really that a thing back then as well where like you're playing against nobody. You're from Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when I, I still remember when I first uh, when, uh, went to college, when I was at UMass, you know, a lot of my teammates, you know, kind of used to smirk at, you know, Rhode Island. And, you know, same thing, like you said, ain't nobody in Rhode Island is bums. You ain't playing against nobody. <laughs> but you was so, in a legit era, though. That was You, was, you was, Blackman, right? Blackman was your era? It was. Will was a year ahead of me. But, yeah, Will, Jamie. Um, Justin Wright. Justin. Out, yeah, Saints. At, yep, he was at Saints. But, yeah, you know, I always look at that as definitely a, a golden era of, uh, you know, Rhode Island football. Uh, the Plum Brothers from uh, Portsmouth. You know, um, Ralph Plum went in a training camp with the Raiders. There was a bunch of guys, Matt Sherry from Hendrickson. So it was definitely a, a great era and great time of Rhode Island football. But, yeah, um, once you leave Rhode Island, those guys still, you know, didn't show you any respect at all. So it was a matter of, you know, I had to, you know, earn it, improve myself, yeah. you know, in the eyes of my teammates that, you know, once I stepped on that college field, regardless of where I, I played, you know, football at, there's certain guys that just – got it and they can play with whoever you know wherever so whether I was you know playing at UMass or if I was in a, a training camp in Virginia or wherever it was you know um they they realized you know quickly that okay this this guy he's he's yeah, all right he he's play. all right yeah so, I mean you obviously you went through that process so does that kind of uh keep in the back of your mind is that one of the reasons why you're, you know, you're back given to the Cowboys and you started game day fitness. Is that one of the, like, you know, stepping stones to your next foundation, your next stepping stone in your life? Um, a little bit. I mean, I just coach really because I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I just love, you know, almost the, uh, the aspect of just being around kids and, and not necessarily the game of football that just happens to kind of be, uh, the vehicle in, in which, you know, I choose to, to kind of give back, but it's not necessarily just football because, you know, if it was just football, I could, I had offers to coach at, you know, at a high school level. I've been offered to take over programs. I've been offered, you know, assistant jobs at the collegiate level. But for me, it's really, I enjoy being back in the community um, where I grew up. I enjoy, you know, working with kids, you know, um, and just kind of teaching them, you know, the, the right way to play the game and just really developing kids, you know, not just, you know, going out there and winning championships. It's really just the developmental aspect, you know, and, you know, not just from a football standpoint, but just as a human being, as a person, and really kind of, you know, guiding some of these guys and in, in being, you know, or trying to be, you know, a mentor that, you know, they can kind of look up to and, and see somebody that's, you know, done it you know somewhat you know of the right way and and try to you know provide and, and be a bridge and and help some of these younger guys you know and just any area of life that they it, it might need it you know definitely I mean I'm sure they all appreciate that too like I know one of uh 
people used to play my brother, but uh, Dean, um, you know, obviously yeah. he always gives you thanks. And so, uh, you know, appreciative of you and stuff like that. And you know, obviously you have plenty of players, so I'm sure appreciate what you've done for them. And is that one of your things too, like we kind of spoke about earlier, is like the, um, kind of like the stigma where do you feel like there's like a stigma around like where you grew up on where – that's where you don't want the kids talking trash. You don't want the kids acting like that because you kind of want to present themselves as like a, a better human, a better player, and a better you know person. And they learn those life lessons as well because, you know, you know I used to you know play at Saints, but then even I had some friends who were uh, who weren't from the inner city. Even like we would face like certain teams that'd be like if we face Central or if we face certain players, they'd be like, oh damn, we're going to Central today. Like, I even had some kind of podcast before. He used to go to La Salle. He said his friends from La Salle they used to play soccer. They're like, oh, my God, we're playing Central Falls today. They're a ghetto over there. I'm not going there. I'm not getting shot. So, like, people have these mindsets of, you know, inner city of my home Cowboys. Is that something you want to change, like, that stigma of, like, being from the inner city and you don't want them acting like certain ways? Yeah, I mean, that's um, definitely, you know, a rabbit hole that we can go, you know, way down and really kind of, you know, uh, unpack that on so many levels because that's definitely, you know, like a, a loaded question as we talk about the stigma and, and um, perception that people have on, you know, uh, kids from the inner city. Um, so it's not even so much that I'm trying to dismantle that stigma or that image of them, you know, from an outside perspective. It's really just internally within us just trying to get them the the not only act but play the game the way that I think the game should be mm -hmm. played. You know, there's some other coaches that, you know, kind of on a, you know, other end of the spectrum and they coach it and teach it, you know, a little bit differently. Um, but there's just certain ways that I believe that the game should be pay played. You know, I believe in, in playing the game classy, playing the game fair, playing the game with sportsmanship. You know, you win with class, you lose with class, you know, you respect your opponent you know, uh, and things like that. So um, being from the inner city or the suburbs, regardless, I, I, I just think that that's the way that, you know, the game should be played. And that's the way I like, uh, you know, to, to coach my guys and, and for them to play it. Yeah, no, definitely, man. That's what's up because I love to hear that. And um, do you ever feel like you had, you know, ran into obstacles with that stigma yourself when you're coming up at, you know, going to the South? I'm a, you're from Providence, I presume. Yeah, yep. you're from I'm Providence as well. So I'm not sure where you went to middle school or before that. But did you like? Were you nervous to go to La Salle? Were you the first of your family to go to La Salle? Was that completely different? Like, did you want to go to like a public school originally, or was La Salle always part of the plan? And you know, um, yeah, it was like you know, how was that? Was it different for you? Yeah, I mean, different to say the least. It was definitely a, a complete culture <laughs> shock, you know. Like yeah, you for said, sure. <laughs> going growing up in Providence, you know, I went to Nathan Bishop Middle School. Um, which was, you know, predominantly uh, black. And then obviously we know LaSalle is, you know, predominantly white. So it was definitely, you know, a culture change, a culture shock for me. Um, but my sister, my oldest sister, Shannon Perry, she actually, you know, went to LaSalle. And so I had an opportunity to kind of be in that environment a little bit, you know, prior to actually enrolling in LaSalle. Um, so I, I, I kind of... Um, seen what I was getting myself into and it, it kind of became apparent to me you know when I was in maybe like seventh eighth grade that that's where I wanted to go because of you know my love for the game of football you know I had some friends and some family members that went to Hope which is my feeder school where I would have went in Providence um and there was just never you know good things that were said about the the football program at Hope 
whether it was you know on the field, whether it was the discipline, whether it was just the structure of the entire program, it just didn't seem like you know that would have been a good fit for me, you know, um, given what I was looking to to kind of do with football. So you know, LaSalle. Uh, became that next best option for me. Did, like, were you nervous? But you were not nervous because you kind of already were into that life already mm -hmm. from your sister. So you, you weren't really nervous to see that jump to a different type of school. Yeah, no, I I was definitely a little bit nervous because it's it's the first time I would say you're going to a school where it's not all of your friends. Yeah. Like in elementary school, you're going to your neighborhood school with all of your friends are there. Same thing in middle school, you know, all of your friends, your family, everybody kind of goes there. You know everybody. You know, you go from sixth, seventh, eighth. So, you know, you get the um, your, your report cards and stuff. Everybody sees what classes they're going to. So you already develop that, that comfortability, you know, before you even get into the school. You know, with LaSalle, it was definitely completely different where – Again, I didn't know. I knew a couple of people, but I didn't. It wasn't, you know, a whole wave of friends or family going there that you felt comfortable with, you know. So there's definitely a little bit of that that apprehension and those those, you know, thoughts of just kind of um, just being in a in a new environment, being in an uncomfortable environment, just being in an environment where you're now the minority, you know. So yeah. absolutely. Do you feel like that benefited you? down the line as well like do you think your life would have been would doing a benefit to you and do you think like your life would be different if you did go to hope instead of the south yeah no i think it, it definitely you know benefited me i think that anytime you know we get a chance to you know step out of our, our comfort zone and explore and and kind of be a part of something that's a little bit different you know from what we're accustomed to i think there is a level of growth you know, that happens within, within us, you know, just as a, as a person, not only just as a football player, but just as a person, you know, there's, there's a level of growth, you know, um, that, that, you know, we experience. And, you know, I could, I could certainly say um, with, for sure, with certainty that, you know, there was definitely, you know, a level of growth, you know, within me, you know, um, being at LaSalle and, you know, just, having different experiences um and just to kind of flash back a little bit to the other part about going to hope um i think it definitely you know would have been a different experience the outcome um i think would have been very similar just because i was i was a little bit more focused than you know a lot of my friends that may have went there that kind of drifted off or, or went down the wrong path you know um there's plenty of kids that go to you know uh public schools that go on to do very great, successful things. Like you said, you had uh, Na on a podcast, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So his son, uh, Demetrius, who went to Central, you know, one of the, the biggest, you know, inner city schools. Yeah. Um, and the same stigma around them, inner city school, kids, ghetto, uh, drugs, violence, all that stuff that they say, you know, persistent in inner city schools, which, you know, is true to, to a certain degree. So it takes a higher level of focus and, dedica and dedication and commitment, you know, for kids that do go to these schools because there, there can be, you know, more of those distractions for us that are um, from that environment, you know what I mean? So if I would have went to Hope, like I said, you know, my level of, of focus and, and dedication has always been there from day one. So I think that while the experience of high school may have been different, you know, going on to college, you know, was um, 
was absolute. That would that would have happened whether I went to LaSalle or you know whether I went to Hope. You sound like the like the LeBron James of Rhode Island. I've heard LeBron talk about plenty of times where he was the sellout for going to the private school and St. Vincent St. Mary's and all his friends went to the public school and he's like, I had to do it. And I had to do it for myself, I had to get out. And he knew that was the right thing to do. It was kind of seen like similar to you as well. And um, you know, talking about private schools and public schools, this is a uh, popular debate amongst uh, you know Rhode Island football. I'm sure, mm. and plenty of different states as well. Sure. What's like your thoughts on um, you know? I'm sure people who watch football know Hendrickson has dominated the past 15 years at this point in Rhode Island football. It's an, you know when it's not Hendrickson, it's a Sal. So like, what's your thoughts on like you know? You coach a lot of kids who are in the Pop Warner, CLCF, uh, you know. Cardinals, Braves, they all come here. Cowboys, yeah. everywhere. Eagles. Right. So, um, you know, what's your thoughts? Like, what's your mindset? Like, advice to people who are like, hey, you know, Renz, um, you know, my kid wants to go to LaSalle because if he goes to LaSalle, he's going to go get a D1 offer or, you know, what's the opposite spectrum, like you said, you know, with Nasa and Demetrius. He played at Central. He's at a D1 school for track. So this, you know, there's so many different ones. There's Quiddy. There's, there's so many right. Li- right. different, uh, you know, uh, you know, sex stories and not the sex stories. So, like, what's your advice to someone who's like, hey, you know, Renz, we trust you. You know, we've been the Cowboys for a while. What's your thoughts? You know, if I go to Hendrickson, I have to pay a little bit out of pocket or, you know, I, he can go to the new Pawtucket High School coming up. That's a great, actually, a great one. Pawtucket High School, EP, which is like a high school musical now. You know, those are great facilities. Right. So, should they go to those schools? Should they go to Hendrickson? Should they go to LaSalle? What's, like, your mindset in I'm depending on that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely a good question and a hot question. I, you know, you know, I get frequently. You know, just being alum of LaSalle and, and coaching at the Cowboys and coaching that age group 11, 12, which is that middle school age, right before they kind of transition and kind of go into high school. Um, being a LaSalle alum, I, I still believe that you you don't have to go to LaSalle or Hendrickson to you know, uh, get a college offer to be seen, to be noticed. You know, there's one, like we talked about earlier, the game of recruiting and marketing and exposure has changed drastically over the years. So where, you know, some of these uh, bigger or better Division I private schools like Hendrickson or LaSalle um, may have increased your opportunity at getting a little bit more exposure, you know, I don't think that's the case now, you know, so I think that if you have a, and and it's going to come down to you knowing your kid, you know, like I said, if you have a a kid that you know is focused, committed, and dedicated, and you could put him in your local public school, and you're not concerned with some of the distractions that he may see, you know, on a daily basis, then I say, you know, save the money and send him to one of those schools, but you know, what LaSalle or Hendrickson, you know, might offer for kids that are um, come from, you know, the inner city is is less of a distraction in the areas where we typically um, tend to be distracted. I mean, don't get me wrong, Hendrickson or LaSalle, they're definitely going to have their, their issues and their distractions and there's things that my teammates that were doing that just weren't a distraction for me because that was just things that didn't really interest me. So I feel like every kind of, you know, community may have issues or distractions that may be a little bit more appealing or or a little bit more, you feel a little bit more peer pressure to kind of engage in. Um, so again, it's, it really goes back to really knowing your, your kid and knowing your child, knowing what you're dealing with. 
but you, you don't have to go to LaSalle or Hendrickin to, if you want to play at the next level, you know? Do you, do you think, like, even if you go to EP, I think they were D2 this year, maybe they were in D1, I can't recall, but yep. you know, they, they were terrible either way. They're like, they, uh, you know, they have a trouble record or whatever. They're two and seven. Yep. Do you think, you know, say if, uh, say if Quiddy, because everyone knows Quiddy at this point, Quiddy's in the league. Right. Say if yeah. Quiddy was on EP, do you think Quiddy still makes it to the next level playing at EP opposed to Andrigan? Absolutely. You know, I think that coaches, you know, will find you. They will find you. If, you, if you're making that much noise, like we talked about, I went to Bryant, which was a smaller Division two school. You know, at the time, they had just started their football program, and I want to say it was 99. They became like an, an official program, and I was on campus. I, met, I sat down. I watched film with the, with the scout from the Miami Dolphins. I talked to the scout from the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Like, I physically – like, they came up to campus – you know, um, to see what was going on over there. They heard about, you know, some running back making noise over there at Bryant University. So, you know, let's go see what's going on over there. So I think that, you know, if you're, if you're making enough noise and you're making enough plays, I mean, the, the coaches will find you. And then it's, you're going to eventually get those opportunities where, yeah, if you play in Division Two or Division Three, the caliber of play is, is certainly not up to Division One. You know, um, yeah, there might be one or two guys on each team that are just, you know, these guys are studs. studs. They, they got it. They can play. It doesn't matter if they're at Hendrickin or if they're at Hope or Central Falls. Like, these guys, they they, they got it. You do you know? think these kids, like, so if you went to EP, you're a stud. But do you think it's just more than just film? Like, do these kids have to be going to camps all week, every weekend in the springtime? Do they have to be doing all these things now, seven-on-sevens? Is that a must from Rhode Island, do you think? I think so. I mean, I'm I'm not, you know, really heavily in that realm like um, some of the guys like uh, Stanley Dunbar and Nadim Robinson. Those guys really deal with that age group right now, and they're out. Um, Stanley coaches at you know at the high school level, and he coaches, uh, and he's I know he's going to coach some prep uh, next year, so he's really right there in the, the the thick of it with a lot of this. So he probably understands it more on a level that I don't, but from the perspective of, of where I'm looking at it with some of my nephews that are being recruited, some of the kids from Rhode Island that I see being recruited, those do seem to be the things that they're doing, you know, to yeah. increase their exposure. So it's not just, you know, I'm going to play here in Rhode Island and then that's it. They are going to seven on sevens. They are doing these camps and that seems to be getting that added and increased exposure because like you said, and like we talked about before, a lot of times there's a stigma, you know, on Rhode Island football with, you know, it being a smaller state and oh, there's bums over there. They ain't playing nobody. But when as you, these showing that there's players out here, breakthroughs winning national championships with the breakthrough seven on seven. Absolutely. So with, with, with breakthrough and, and, and uh, BTP and, and, and organizations like that that are from Rhode Island that are traveling and the people are, uh, uh, you know, looking at them sideways when they say they're from Rhode Island and then the look after they leave the tournament, you know, you know, clearly shows, yeah. man, that these guys are out there and they're, they're putting Rhode Island on a map and they're showing that they can ball. And uh, as you look around, you know, social media now, you see a lot of these guys from Rhode Island that are getting, you know, big time offers. Nation. Yeah, Nation Montgomery, he actually, uh, one of the kids, he played for me, 
you know, a few years back for the Cowboys uh, when he was in seventh grade before he ended up, seventh, eighth grade before he ended up going to high school, you know, um, so to see him, you know, kind of making the noise that he's making. That make and, you proud, too? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I see these guys that, that played for me or, or that I know or that's from around here that are, I think, getting their, their, their right due, you know, because they do have that skill set to play with anybody in the country, you know, uh, definitely makes me happy, you know, and, and, and makes me proud to, to see those guys, you know, um, excelling, you know, at the highest level. Is there any part of you, like, make a little better, you're like, damn, if I was in Sarah, I could be in there right now. Or is it strictly all, just, you're just proud no matter what because you coach them? <laughs> Yeah, zero, zero uh, envy for me. You know, I like we talked about before, I played the game. You know, I played it at a high level. Um, I feel confident and comfortable in, you know, the career that I had. So right now I'm, I'm really just rooting for a lot of these guys that are coming up, man, and just wishing them nothing but the best and, and sharing any experiences that I can with them. You know, sometimes I'll get players or parents that reach out to me um, because they do know my story a little bit and just ask for, you know, feedback or advice, you know, on, you know, what I think, you know, they should do moving forward, whether it's um, playing high school or going prep, you know, um, and kind of what I think. And there's some connection, not even connections, but just people I know yeah. that, you know, are coaching, whether it's high school, I mean, coaching, you know, college ball. So, you know, I'll shoot a text and, and pick their brain a little bit. Like, um, Lamb, he played with me at LaSalle, my quarterback over there. So, he's at Kentucky now, offensive coordinator at Kentucky. He was with the L.A. Rams, you know. So, I had a high school athlete that was kind of questioning, um, do I go prep now? Do I wait to my senior year and go prep? You know, so I was like, um, let me reach out. I'll reach out to my boy Lamb, you know, and just get it from a college coach's perspective, perspective yeah. you know, and see what they prefer. Do they prefer a kid or do they think it's best for a kid to, you know, kind of wait and then go prep after senior year or kind of reclass early or kind of how that game works? So what's the um, answer? What's the answer? <laughs> so uh, he basically said that um, depending on the caliber of the athlete, you know, um, it's best to just wait. You know, if you feel like you're a Division One kid, if you're just – a kid that's just playing football, you know, um, just go to college, you know, go to college and play. But if you're really at that high level and you really feel as though, like, football can be something beyond the next level, then, you know, just wait and put yourself in that best position. But I've, I've also heard people that, you know, believe in reclassing early. So I, I don't think there's any perfect answer, you it know, for the person. that. You need to know, you need to, you know, have that. Self-worth, like, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what my capabilities are. Right, right. So I know some kids that, that reclassed early, you know, just because they was really young going into to high school or not even young, but maybe not chronologically young, but kind of more biologically young, you know, where their body just haven't developed. Yeah, they might have been 14 or 15, but they're still just these early bloomers yeah. just haven't really quite physically developed enough to feel comfortable playing at the high school level right now and they felt as though it was a wasted year for them to go to high school. So. Yeah, you're saying I'm logical ready, not like, you know, not physically ready. And, you know, that's why, you know, you have game day finish right here behind us. So, um, you know, they want to get right, get, you know, physically ready for the upcoming season that can come through to game day fitness. So, like you said, you've been there for six years at this 
current location yep. and up since 2012. So, um, yeah, so you've had it all. So what do you offer here at Game Day Fitness, like, overall? So um, you know, they can tune and tap in right now and hit Game Day on Facebook and Instagram right here. So, what you know, what can they come through and expect that they're coming to Game Day Fitness? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of have had a little shift once I moved over here over the last few years where now my primary focus is on youth athletic development. And when I say youth, I'm talking about, you know, pre-high school, so elementary, you know, middle school age, those are the, the guys that I'm really focusing on, um, not high school or college. I did, you know, train some of those guys initially. Yes, yeah, so, you know, I'm sure you're about to get to it right now, but yep. why don't you focus on the high school and stuff like that? Why do you have like kind of that cutoff age? Yeah, so two things. One is, so as we talked about before, I, I do coach youth football. I coach 11 and 12. So, and I've been coaching that level since 2007. So I've been with that, that same age group for like about 15 years or so. And it's just always been an age group that I really enjoyed coaching. Um, they, they're still young enough where they, they listen and they're very receptive of the things that you're teaching. They still want to work out to have fun. Um, so I, I just really love and enjoy being around, you know, that age group. And then at the high school level, um, one is it, it started to become a little bit challenging, you know, working around uh, some schedules for, you know, high school athletes or college athletes. Then it started to become a game. Like there's some people that's just, you know, training guys for clout and, and just, you know, things like that where, you know, I just want to train guys. I don't want it to be, you know, who you're training. You know what I mean? I just want the, the pure aspect of just people coming to the gym just to, you know, really work out, have fun, move, you know, improve their athletic abilities, you know, and just um, kind of, you know, getting them young and, and molding them from there and just teaching them and guiding them the right way, you know, so... Yeah. When they get to high school, a lot of these principles and stuff that they, they learn over here, you know, they, they can keep with them. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'd love to hear that. So, um, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure be this often, but I'm a parent, Renz, you know. You know, it's kind of tough with finance and stuff like that. So yep. what can they, what can you do to, like, do you work with people that they're coming in? I mean, you are in the inner city, so, like, what's, like, that structure like? Do you offer, like, weekly? Is it, like, daily? Or what's, like, the price points where parents need to know to tap in if they want their kid to come to game day fitness? Yeah, I mean, my, my prices are, are definitely, you know, set as to what they are, but it's mindful, you know, of the demographics of, you know, where I'm running my business at. You know, I know I'm here, you know, in Pawtucket with the surrounding communities, Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls, so I understand that we're not in, you know, certain cities where the um, household income, you know, is a lot higher. So just setting my prices is um, I try to be mindful of that. Um, and whether it's, you know, here or with the Cowboys, you know, I, I never really like for finances to be an issue why a kid can't participate, you know. Um, so at game day, I, I can't lie, I'm not as flexible with the prices, but, you know, there's so much other stuff that I do within a community that's absolutely free. Like I coach, yeah. like I said, I coach youth football all year round. So a lot of those kids that I work with, teams that I work with and workouts that we do, you know, obviously that, that's free of charge. I'm just coaching. But when I come over here, you know, obviously this is something that I do for a living. So I have to be, you know, um, a lot more disciplined and, and mindful of this being, you know, um, my occupation so it's not just something that you know i kind of do on the side like some other people they kind of 
just kind of train on the side. They have their full-time job and they do this and they do that. You know, for me, this is this is it. This is, you know, the be-all, end-all when it comes to, you know, career-wise. So definitely, you know, try to be, you know, financially uh, responsible when it comes to that and setting prices and, and kind of, you know, working with people. So, you know, definitely. I mean, uh, so is it like um, I have a kid, he, he's... 12 years old. So what's um what's like the process there? Do I come bring them by? Do you kind of assess them? Is it like a six, six week plan or is it by the month? What's yep. like the mindset on that? So if someone has like a 12 year old, they want to come to bring to game day. Yeah, got you. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, ways that they can come in. So I, I try to make uh, easy for contact, easy for entry, you know, um, so I'm, I'm very um active on social media, Facebook, Instagram. That's where I do a lot of my marketing. That's where a lot of people contact me at, you know, Game Day Fitness, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I don't really do the Twitter thing or the TikTok. Not yet, it's at a least. Lot. Not it's yet. A lot. It's my, a lot. Yeah, my son, he's 11. Maybe when he gets a, a couple more years, maybe I'll let... Internship. Yeah, I'll let him <laughs> run run the, the, the TikTok page or something like that where... You know, um, a lot of people are kind of gravitating, and it's a, a great platform for some people that really tapped into yeah. that and, and found a way to to leverage that, you know, platform. It's, it's definitely been great. But I'm a, a Instagram and Facebook kind of guy. But, yeah, if somebody, you know, has a kid that, you know, they're like, oh, I'd love to get them over there with Renz, you know, they could definitely reach out. You know, I'm, I always respond back to messages I get on Instagram or my cell phone number. I always put my personal cell phone number on, you know, flyers. It's on my Instagram and, and Facebook page so they could text me directly and then we kind of figure out you know what are the needs of of that particular kid you know um are they looking for strength training are they looking for speed and agility what it is that you're, you're looking for um and then like we talked about earlier with price point the thing that helps with price point and makes it a little bit more affordable for some people is there's classes and then there's private one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. sessions so the private one-on-one -on -one sessions are going to be a lot more costly um just with, with anything, whether it's, you know, any trainer, you know, the private one-on-one, -on -one, if you want that, that private time, it's going to cost more. And then we have classes, you know, that we run where, you know, smaller group classes with, you know, about 10, 12 kids in there, where that price point is going to drop way down, you know, and be, you know, beneficial, a lot more beneficial for some parents that may, um, that price might be an issue for them. Gotcha, gotcha. So how do you feel, like, even like that's a businessman, like, because you know, I know training, the world of training can be tough. Getting people in full house or keeping the lights on. I feel like you don't have that issue. I have you on game day fitness. You'd be having like 35 kids in here. So like, <laughs> are, you, are you just kind of like just word them out at this point? I mean, like I said before, you know, you are like the legend over around the Perry brothers. Everyone knows you guys. So it's kind of like just word of mouth or it's just like you guys have like a running system at this point where everyone just knows who you are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely uh, put in a lot of work, you know, um, aside from just, you know, being Lorenzo Perry, the football player, you know, to that, like you said, transition into more of the business side of it. Because just being a, a good athlete is one thing, and that's only going to get you so far. You know, there comes a point where you actually have to learn the craft of, of training. It's not just, you know, you working out, you know, it's learning the craft of training and then it's learning the piece of running a business. So it's not that I'm I'm only the trainer here. I actually, you know, run the business. So, you know, the marketing and promotions, the, you know, day-to-day uh, -day stuff, designing workouts, designing programs, you know. It's uh, not easy. Right. So I, I'm kind of, it's just me over here. So I'm the be-all, end-all when it comes to, uh, comes to game day, you know. Um, but it's definitely, and like, you know, I said earlier, with kind of focusing on the younger kids, 
you know, one of the things that I heard not too long ago was there's, you know, there's riches and niches, you know, so that always stuck with me. So what I did was kind of really niche down, you know, my focus. So instead of being, you know, having such a, you know, wide focus and training anyone from, you know, seven to, you know, 27 athletic wise, I said, you know what? What is the age group that I really love? What's an age group that's not typically targeted? Yeah, so I, I really niched down and, and kind of narrowed down my focus. And once I did that, that's when business really kind of exploded. And then you just become that guy for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So training kids, oh, that's friends. Oh, my kid's 10 years old, oh, go see Lorenzo. Oh, I got a uh, a twelve year old kid. Oh, that go to game day. You know, you yeah. just once you niche down and really become a specialist and dedicate your time, your focus and energy in that area. You know, so I went to 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 seminars. I got certifications. I was reading like a ton of books to really figure out how to you know capture that age group and how to best work with that age group and how to you know properly develop that age group. You know, that's when business really exploded. Like you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's more to it than people think. It's like, people think it's like the overnight success. Oh, just go to game day. But you put all those hours in, those seminars, reading the books, reading, watching videos, the marketing yourself. It's not easy. Like, even, yeah. the, you know, they're seeing like social media reels of you know, the podcast page now. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, who does that? I'm like, I do that. <laughs> it takes me all damn day to do it. Right. To, yeah. to master yeah. it now, it's quick. I'm banging them out quick. But yeah. As you yeah. know, when you first start, you're like, God oh, damn. Like, you're over yeah. here studying, reading. Right. And right. so, you know, people don't see that process. So that side of it, they don't. and they don't see the process. Quick question for you: How do you get an eight pack when you're at your age? This guy still has an eight pack. What's the answer? The quick answer. The quick answer is our metabolism isn't what it was, so you can't eat the pizza McDonald's <laughs> relentlessly Shit. like Shit. we did in the past. So you got to start digging into that green stuff. Oh man, got to start digging into those <laughs> asparagus and the green beans and scoot the french fries to the side <laughs> a little bit so that's really the key you know as i got older just being more mindful of my health and things that i was putting into my body and i think that's you know helped to kind of preserve that longevity and just you know maintain that you know health and wellness kind of physique you know? <laughs> have you always been that guy like the guy with the body so I can't lie, when we was younger, we did have great genetics. So our family had, we, we did have good genetics. I mean, we all have friends. We know people that just, they have it. They have yeah. great genetics. They never lifted a weight in their life or they never did a squat in their life. And they just like, damn, this dude don't do nothing. You know, he walks around eating pizza, you know, and he's just, he's ripped. You know what I mean? So we was fortunate. You know, I we definitely had good genetics. But that that only gets you to a certain point, yeah. you know. That only gets you to that, you know, maybe like twenty six ish or so, maybe twenty five, and then after that, you know, um, it starts to be a lot more dependent on your lifestyle and, and the choices that you make, and less yeah. on your parents. So before your body was like, oh, I got good parents, my parents, my mom, <laughs> you know. Then it starts to become on you, you know, that that whopper, that. <laughs> You gotta you stay ate? away. You gotta yeah, stay away. Yeah, yeah. I used to be like, God damn, Kendall's calves are huge. <laughs> right. This guy over here. Yeah, never did one calf raise in his life. So some, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we're, we're just blessed and fortunate to have good genetics that give us a good starting point. And then. Then you're gonna come to game day, get everything that's get it. right. Absolutely. Are you helping kids out? Is that something completely different? Do you help kids out with like nutrition and stuff like that? So say like when a, a dean was here or something like that. Yeah. Are you like telling them what to eat? Is that come included or is that yeah. you kind of let him be himself on the eating portion of it? 
Yeah, so I kind of give nutritional guidance, but not specific meal plans. So, you know, I, I don't really dive into the dietary side of things. I can't, I kind of leave that up to, you know, nutritionists or, or uh, dietitians or people like that that really have, you know, expertise in that field. I kind of really stick to the training piece. Of course, I, I'll give them some basics and some pointers and stuff like that. But in terms of really diving into a diet and being specific with, you know, certain macros they should be eating with, you know, grams of protein. And, and carbs and fats and things like that. Um, I don't really dive into the nutritional side of things. Gotcha. I kind of, you know, leave that piece alone. Gotcha. Yeah, man. You saw even like kind of before breakthrough, uh, Brandon was in the, you know, the game day flag leagues. Are you guys still running yeah. that every single year? Yeah, the game day flag league is definitely still going. It's as big as it's ever been. You know, um, last year we had close to about 400 participants. So um, I anticipate the same this year. So the, the leagues, you know, it's going great. I love it. It's one of the, the one of my favorite things that I do over here at game day is running the flag league every summer. Oh, man. I have a clip. Actually, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. Yeah. It went uh, it went viral. I was on Brandon's team. Some kid got a pick six. He uh, spinned off someone in the middle of the, the pick six. It went viral on all football yeah, pages. I, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I, I took that video. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. I'm yeah. trying to I, I don't know if it was, Ray. was from Shay. I forget. You no, know, he um, he's from uh, Mount. He's from Mount. Oh, okay. Some kid, uh, Ray, I think his name was. He's on Brandon's team. Yeah, Got yeah. Got that pick, hit him with a spin, hit him with a move. I do remember Went that. viral. The kid stole it from my page, didn't give me credit, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> See, you would have like, yeah, you would have like a million followers right I, now. I you know. know what I'm saying? I know. You didn't give me no credit. But um, yeah, oh, man, man, so you know, this is going to drop next week. So it's going to be first week of April. This is going to drop. So um, the game day fitness, the flag usually starts in June, correct? What should they know? Father's Day. they reach day. out to you? Yeah, so we always start on Father's Day. That's kind of been our trademark. It actually kind of happened by accident. You know, I started on, on a Father's Day and... There was uh, a couple of parents who was like, "Oh, that's cool that you're starting on Father's Day," and but I, I didn't, the date didn't even register to me at the time. You know, I just started, and then from there, it's just kind of been our thing Ritual, where yeah. we, we start every year on Father's Day. So anybody that wants to get involved with the flag league, that's from ages five to fourteen. Um, registration will be opening up on August 1st, uh, August 1st, April 1st. All right, April 1st, you could go to gamedayfitnesskids.com, jump on there, registration process, really easy, or feel free to send me a message on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, Game Day Fitness, reach out to me, I'll definitely get you guys plugged in, and um, you'll love it, you'll yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. We have a all- Cold minutes left, about like 10 minutes before you have your first session of the day, so yes. kind of a wrap up. So, uh, Cowboys... Um, what's it to know about that? How do they tap in? How do they join the Cowboys? Um, you know, you should get it right. My brother played for the Cowboys, has uh, helped him transition to like the player he was at Hendrickson and build that confidence. So I definitely uh, always rec- give recommendations to tap into Cowboys. So how should they join? How can they join? Yeah, so the Cowboys, that's the organization, uh, our tackle organization that I coach. You know, anybody that wants to join that organization, again, you can reach out to me the same way that I just expressed about game day. You know, um, if you're already part of an organization and you're loving it and enjoying it, you know, stay there. I don't like to recruit anybody from any other organization. So if you're where you're at, you're loving it, you're having a good time, stay there. But if you are looking for somewhere to kind of play and somewhere to help you kind of develop and, and grow as a player, you know, I certainly we'd love to have you over there at Mount Hope, Mount Hope Cowboys. Um, but I feel like you guys are going to have a lot of people looking for a new team this year because I didn't even know that. I heard this like two weeks ago. A whole bunch of Pop Warner teams, they kind of dismantled, you know, like the Rhode Island 
Cop, uh, Pop Warner, right? They kind of went away? Yeah, so basically, it was just kind of the league entity as itself. There used to be Ocean State Pop Warner, so there's no more Ocean State Pop Warner. So um, t so the physical teams themselves, like the Cowboys, Intruders, Eagles, all of those teams, they're still intact. They still, you know, have a lot of their, you know, participants. It was just the kind of the, the Pop Warner League mm. itself kind of um, dissolved. So those organizations are just looking for other you know, um, agencies to kind of attach to and play for. So, you know, we're out in Massachusetts. We play in a metropolitan league with a lot of the uh, Boston, you know, yeah. city schools, uh, Dorchester, you know, Roxbury, Mattapan. We play a lot of those teams from out there. Oh, that team pissed me off. Because that's where, that's where the competition's at, you know. <laughs> so we like to bring our kids where the competition's at and, you know, not just play, you know, everything local here. Yeah. We like to, you know, expose them to, you know, some of those, uh, some real deal battles. Yeah, some real deal battles, and uh, I'd have to come back and do another one. We haven't even really touched Bryant, but I kind of, uh, yeah. I kind of want to touch Bryant a little bit. I need to get your reactions to these. Cause I was obviously watching before I got here. Uh, I'm not sure if you ever done this before. I'm gonna pull up these right here. Let's see, like your. Uh... Let's see what you got there, man. What you got? So this is a. Uh... So like, what's your mindset when you, you, know, you hit this dude off? Because obviously people who played before, but again, you were elite. You were a finals or D2 player of the year. So you're out here making plays, man. So, like, what's your mindset when you're seeing this stuff right here? You can give, like, a one-on-one, -on -one, like, the mindset of Renz when you're running the ball. So you get the ball right here. You come up. You hit that dude off. Hit that dude off again. Two dudes in a row. Like, how are you seeing this, the vision for seeing this? Even, like, Kendall, when I was playing against Melissa Siles, like, how the hell do you see us coming? His was a spin move. Like, obviously you make moves, but you're making, like, multiple moves at once. You're making these elite plays. So, like... This play right here, like, what's your mindset when you get the ball like this right here? Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that as a running back that you can't really teach. It's just some things that are just very instinctive. So those are the things that as I you just kind of feel how a defender might shift a little bit left or shift a little bit right, you know, um, and you just kind of react off of that. And then there's some guys it's, you don't always see. It's almost like a feel like I don't always see everybody but I as a running back sometimes I just feel when guys are next to me you know um and I just get this heightened sense so you know my body just kind of instinctively reacts with you know certain things like that so again you don't you don't always see everybody sometimes it's just a feel yeah and this one right here too I think this is not only oh, oh gotta take that helmet off him too but this one right here you get in the ball hit this dude hit this oh my god you, yeah. you shook him, and then you spin off of him. So <laughs> do you practice that move, or is that just an instinct right there, too, off your mind? Yeah. And so, hit the door off again, hit two dudes yeah. off. So. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of that's, uh, you know, really just, just instincts and just that ability that we have. You know, sometimes smaller guys, you know, we don't have the size. So where can you make up for that at? You know, you make up with that and your vision. You make up with that and your agility, your, your ability to evade and, and, and make guys miss, man. So, so so this one right here. So you spin yeah. off. So yeah. you, hit the, you hit the first dude off. This dude right here, hit him off. And then you... Do you, when you hit the spinoff, you feel someone's coming right now. So you're about to make an under move right after this spinoff. This dude coming here, then you come inside. So the, do you just kind of feel like you kind of know this dude's going to be coming around here where he's going to try to catch you this way? So you just hit off inside already. You kind of know that movement's coming? Right, exactly. So I, I kind of know um, based on the way I'm moving what you're thinking as a defender. And it's easier for me to counteract that. You know what I mean? So I know when I'm coming out of this, this spin move, 
Like you're anticipating me still moving at full speed this way. And I know that. So I know that soon as I come out of that spin, I got to put the brakes on and come back this way. Because before I made that spin move, I seen the defense already pursuing. You yeah. know, it was already pursuing. So This one right here is the, I kind of laughed out loud when I seen this one. Do you remember this one? You oh, spin. yeah. That's, yep. Hey, that's, two dudes uh, hit each other. <laughs> one of my favorite ones right there. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was trying to let off the highlight tape. I was like, this one, my like, Jesus Christ. So, like, <laughs> you kind of just, same thing, similar aspect. You just, you feel some dude trying to tackle you, and then you just spin off of them, and then you just happen to spin off of the dude at the same time. So, there's some guys that, like, it looks like that guy, like, literally has a chance to tackle me. But for me, in my mind, that guy's already beaten. I'm not even focused on him. My eyes are on a guy that's coming towards me right now because the guy that's going to make that tackle, he's already beat. You know, so now I'm, I'm focusing on the next guy that that's approaching. Basically, saying, you're, you already forgot about this dude. He's gone. You forgot yeah, about that dude. That, that guy, yep, him right there. I'm not even. You're spinning for the dude that um, t- is his boy. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's who I'm looking for. And then, you know, sometimes you have enough time to set certain things up where you almost make the defense go where you want them to go. So I, I make them go where I want them to go so I can get where I need to go. You know, if that if that makes sense. Oh, no, yeah, definitely, man. You it's know, just so. just a lead, man. It's, I'm having a great time. We have to, you know, set another time up to do like a whole Brian one. I have a million more questions, but Let's I know you got some coming up Let's right now. It. I want to end off with uh, one question I've been asking yes, a lot of people. It's kind of been like the trademark of uh, the EG Pot of Thunder. So if your biggest hater wrote a book about you, what would the title of it be? Overrated Midget. <laughs> that's what they'll say or they'll say oh my god he's overrated midget you know that's what the title would be right there do that for everything the, the, the biography of your book your life that's, just so overrated businessman overrated this and you like <laughs> you guys don't understand but work on putting it into this like it's not overrated like it's a lot of training and time you put into this yeah definitely on the field you know there, there used to be you know some guys you know used to hate like I said it was that golden era of you know, Rhode Island football, you know, so there was uh, some guys that went on to play, you know, like I said, Jamie Silver, they went on to play Division One. They had an opportunity in the NFL, Will Blackman and those guys, you know, so um, there are some guys that, you know, um, give them a little bit more love, you know, and, uh, you know, be hating sometimes, but Man, they got all me, the- me, Will, and Jamie. You know, we we all have a great relationship, man, and we show a lot of love and, and a lot of respect for guys that you know we play with and battle with at, at those you know high levels. So, yeah, man, you guys were elite. And you guys had a uh, different sport, but Missoula was back then too. Yeah, Joe Missoula. Yeah, yep, I used to play against him. He was a beast. And Jeff Xavier in basketball. That was an elite you know, time. Yeah. So it was there was there was a lot of guys, man, in Rhode Island that was really just excelling and guys that was playing, man, the sport. At a, at a very high level, very high level. Yeah, man, I, I love to see. And um, actually, I had one last question for this makes sense in this podcast right here. Yeah. So you said the Cowboys, your specific age. A lot of Pop Warner, AYF teams, um, they do, like, the coach follows one team, like, one age group. Why the Cowboys do you stick with one age group? So, like, I know Nas, like, one. Hurlins, one age. You're one age, and they – they go from age, so it's like you guys, I'm not sure like the exact order, but it'd be like yep. you, then Hurl, and then Nah. Yeah. So like, why do you guys have it like that post to you following that one age group until they graduate? Yeah, so the biggest thing is really coaching at a level that you're comfortable coaching. Like, I'm not going to have you coach 14-year-olds if, one, you don't have the football knowledge to develop the skills that they need, and, two, you don't have the skills to, um, you know, really deal with them from a 
you know, personal perspective. Like, Nas great with the older kids, so that's the age that he enjoys coaching most. And the same thing with me, you know. So everybody, just you stay at an age group that you feel comfortable with developing those kids from a football standpoint and from, you know, an emotional standpoint of being able to relate to that age group. So to say, you know, someone starts at six and then you follow them to eight and then you follow them to 10 and you follow them, like you, you might not one feel, like I said, comfortable dealing with that age or two feel you have the skill set to coach at that level because it's a different level of yeah. football coaching at a, a 8U level and a 14U level. Do you think that's like an, an like a problem with, uh, you know, youth sports right now? Do you think that's like a massive problem or, you know, maybe I've seen this before and Brandon played on a couple of teams where like the coaching, I feel like the coaches and like the players got too comfortable and it's like they lost that coach player relationship. I feel like with that type of uh, you know structure, you can't get comfortable with your coach where it's like, Oh, he just my he's just my friend now. And I feel like a, you know, teams, organizations that Brandon played for before, they lost that respect and the players didn't care no more and that's why they're getting their ass kicked. So I feel like do you think that's like a little bit of an issue with other organizations? Yeah, I mean there's there's definitely pros and cons to each philosophy. Like I know some organizations that do move with their kids. Like you said, we don't. We stay at a particular level. Um, but, you know, moving with your kids, you do have that level of comfort. You do know your players, you know, a lot better. And it does allow you to get off to an early start because you know who your quarterback is. You know who your running back is, you know, where also it could be a drawback, you know, for some kids because, you know, if, you know, Lorenzo's always been a running back. They're just going to put him there because he's always been a running back. So another kid might not get that opportunity. That's why know? I went, you know, I feel like uh, I can, you know, give you guys like a testimony. That's why I do agree with that. When you go, they're used to having Lorenzo. He's always oh, our running back. Oh, he's our running back. How do you know? How do you know there's some kid who just transferred in, he just moved to Rhode Island, and he's not better than Renz? You don't know if you're not given an opportunity. Right. And I feel like a lot of these organizations don't give opportunities. They're just like, oh, this is my guy. I don't care what you do. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, so. how do you know? You like, if you're, I think if you're a good coach, you can evaluate talent no matter who it is. And I, I don't know. I think that's me thinking. That's like a big problem with Island football. It's like a lot of the coaching is, um, you know, especially with the youth sports. And it's like, all right, you guys, you know, need to know how to, you know, utilize your athletes. And do you think that's an issue too? Even like with like youth and like high school football, where these coaches are so, this is my playbook. This is the type of offense I'm running. You get used to it. I feel like if you have a certain player, you should, if you're a good coach, you should be able to adapt to that player. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's important as a coach to be able to, you know, design around the players that you have. You know, you can't, the old adage, you know, you can't put a, you know, a round peg in a square hole. So you might have a particular offense that you love to run, but you don't have the quarterback to run spread. You know, or you don't have the quarterback to run option. So you definitely have to, you know, I think shape your playbook around the players that you have. You have your key, um, you have your foundational principles that are going to, you know, stand the test of time regardless of the playbook or the offense or whatever it is that you run. Um, but in terms of, you know, certain concepts that should be a little bit different depending mm -hmm. on personnel. No, for sure. I mean, I definitely agree. And I know that's like I said, my brother Brandon came on, who's a Nas team at Herlands. And, um, you know, testimony right here where like he, I think that's where his confidence grew with Nas, 
not believed in him. He gave him the opportunity to play offense and defense, and you know went to Hendrickson, had a you know good, pretty good high school career there. And I think, uh, like I said it before, I you know I shout out to Game Day, shout out you know Cowboys because definitely uh, he said it himself, I built that confidence in him. Good. Where other players, you know, the teams weren't given the opportunity to shine, and they were given those players they were used to the opportunity. And it's like. You guys don't even like see what, and not just because my brother. Plenty of people have done that. So like, you don't see because you don't get the opportunity. And now you know teams like the Cowboys and you know Game Day help them build that confidence. So make sure you tap in April first, like you said, for Game Day Flag League. Tap into the Cowboys, and then we should expect for the 2023 for Rens Game Day and the Cowboys. Um, right now I'm just uh my my biggest thing right now is developing you know a digital platform. You know I think this is this is the age where you know expansion is coming from you know a lot of the digital world. So yeah. that's what I'm trying to really tap into and 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 kind of you know make my mark and and um, figure out how I can and reach more and just kind of move into this you know um, this next generational age with you know from a digital perspective. So. You know, growth and expansion. You know, from a from a digital side, is kind of where I'm looking at. Oh yeah, man, for sure, man. If you ever want to tap in, do more podcasts. Get you know, come here. We can get a lot more interviews, more content, man. Let me know. I can Absolutely. show you some basics on this stuff too. And I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come in and do this. It was a great time. And uh, I'm doing actually this weekend. So if you're ever interested, even maybe like the championship games, I can come by and do some pre and post game interviews. I'm doing it for uh, the Pro City Classic this weekend. Word. Uh, it'll be last weekend when you guys watch this, but tap in and be a good time. I have clips coming up. Uh, make sure you follow my guy, Renz, Game Day Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you tap into Explore FF. That's my personal page. I'm going to Coachella in two weeks. Then I'm going to Barcelona, London, Miami right. for the Dolphins games. Dolphins need to take a holder. And um, yeah, make sure you follow EG Pop Thunder on all social media platforms, TikTok, podcast platforms right everywhere you know like subscribe send us to the moon make sure you send my guy friends to the moon yes, as to get it baby